When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. But all right, let's get started. Of course, decided to do this chat with Gators Breakdown Plus members, mainly because Florida has made their wide receiver coach hire in one, the return of Billy Gonzalez to Gainesville, his third stint in Gainesville, of course. Once under Urban Meyer, once under Dan Mullen, and now under Billy Napier. So, you guys, um, remember I threw his name uh, up in the chat much before many others did out there. They'll let you guys know that this was a possibility of happening. He was going to get interviewed, um, and you know, probably comes a little bit later than we thought it would. Uh, but Billy Gonzalez is now going to be the wide receiver coach taking over for Kerry Colbert, and it's been po- pretty polarizing. Uh, the Out there on Twitter, right here in the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord, I know a lot of people have already kind of said what they have to say, but you know, we, now we can do it in conversation form, a little bit of back and forth here uh, with Gators Breakdown Plus members uh, right here in this Discord chat. We can also bring up the news as well of Florida announcing today that the Utah game will be now on the opening Thursday of week one of college football, August 31st. Florida-Utah game not on a Saturday, going to be that Thursday night, the opening week of college football. So I know that's a pretty polarizing topic as well. Hey, we can get to some spring storylines. been bringing you guys all kinds of spring practice coverage, all the press conferences, thoughts on uh, what the coaches and players have to say, and you know some news and notes and nuggets from the first week of spring practice. So I think we got plenty to get into right here on this chat. But if anybody wants to hop in, go ahead. Uh, give me your thoughts on Billy Gonzalez uh, and the hire of him taking over for Kerry Colbert, wide receiver coach. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you, you know, I, I, I don't mind the hire. I, I, I like it in a lot of ways. I get the worry. I get the reservations here because of how it ended with Mullen and that staff. Um, I think that was more to do with the head man than anybody else, uh, mostly with that staff there. And, um, I mean, the, the, the track record does speak for itself in, in a lot of ways with Billy Gonzalez and uh, the Van Jeffersons and the, and the Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts in some ways. You know, he was working out with the receivers a bit uh, during the early portions of, uh, of his you know, Florida tenure uh, there at the same time. So, you know, the, just, you know, the development of one Kadarius Tony probably speaks higher than uh, a lot of what Billy Gonzalez has done in his career. You know, Kadarius Tony coming in as a quarterback, not really a wide receiver. Uh, and, 
progressed to be one of the SEC's best receivers, one of the country's best receivers now in the NFL, making plays as well. So I think that's probably the feather in the cap there for at least recently uh, there for Billy Gonzalez. But, you know, the, these, the, the guys that were here, Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, making them better uh, when he comes in as well. Uh, in that in that 2018 season, Kyle Trask eventually takes over in 2019. The passing game explodes. You see more plays from the wide receivers uh, when they get better quarterback play at, at the same time. So, I mean, and, and a long history uh, at Florida too, uh, dating back to Urban and, and Percy and Riley Cooper, David Nelson. Um, it, it, you know those those receivers there in, in the you know Jamal Cornelius uh, early on in uh, the early Urban Meyer tenure, just uh, Bubba Caldwell. You know, so you can names keep going on uh, in that time, but of course, you know, a long lineage there, at least in orange and blue Florida Gator uniforms that you can point to there for Billy Gonzalez. So I like to hire, uh, of course, still uh, you know only one season away from Florida with the transition from Billy Napier. Uh, from Dan Mullen to Billy Napier. So still got the the landscape of recruiting uh, here in the state of Florida. He was in Florida at Florida Atlantic last year as well. Tom Herman doesn't retain him after Billy Napier doesn't retain him last year. Uh, of course, that's an interesting storyline. You know, didn't retain him, but does come back a, a year later uh, and, and brings back Billy Gonzalez. So um, there's many angles to go with this. And the recruiting is going to be a big angle here. The development hasn't necessarily been an issue uh, recruiting, of course, a bit of an issue in the, 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 the higher rated wide receivers he did bring in. The last stand at Florida, your Jacob Clopins, your Xavier Henderson, your Marcus Burke. Uh, Copeland never really reached his potential. Xavier Henderson, maybe this coming up last year, you know, he gets to go around with, with, with Billy Gonzalez one more time. Uh, maybe we see some more there. Uh, and of course, you know, we're still waiting on Marcus Burke to break out as well. You know, most of his development uh, at Florida, your Van Jefferson, your Kadarius Tonys lately uh, were receivers he did not bring in. And, and your Josh Hammond, your Freddie Swains, uh, he developed those guys, but not the receivers that he recruited uh, and necessarily brought in. So, like I said, there's plenty of angles to come at, come, come out with this one with Billy Gonzalez, but. I like the hire. We'll see where it goes for Florida. But if you guys get your Breakdown Plus members want to hop in, give your thoughts, go right ahead. I like the hire too, Dave. I mean, given the timing of the situation, you know, right here, right, uh, losing Kerry Colbert right before spring ball. I mean, if our options are – Derek Doker or uh, a GA Derek Doker or Billy Gonzalez and give me Billy all day. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point there too with, you know, Decker's name kind of being uh, the, Decker, excuse me, yes. Yeah. But you know, the, the name that come out just because, you know, a hire hasn't been made. There's been some time now and Hey, what are we waiting on? And uh, you know, I think some people were maybe we're getting the worry that it may be an elevation of somebody within the staff there and, and, and David Decker being that name there uh, coaching these receivers the first week basically of spring practice. Uh, but as I said, the, the, there were plenty of interviews happening, uh, plenty of names we have thrown about in the last, what, two weeks now. And uh, ends up being one that, you know, that I, I threw out here early on in the process that let you guys know that, that Billy Gonzalez was, it was a serious candidate and uh, ends up being him in the end. Well, honestly, I don't think it can be understated that the head coach matters the most in recruiting, right? Like when Billy Gonzalez was under Meyer, I don't think he really had a problem getting in high tier guys. And then Mullen comes in. He does good the first year with Copeland, but then, you know, 
gets a few more good guys here and there, but I, I, honestly, I think his recruiting more with Mullen than anyone else. So we'll see what he does under Napier. Yeah, I think that that's part of it. One of the main things I brought up when his name was originally brought up a couple of weeks ago and made sure I tweeted out today too, is like, I get the recruiting side of it. You guys know how, how, how much we talk about it right here on Gators Breakdown and here on Gators Breakdown Plus. And, um, you know, just the process of recruiting under Dan Mullen toward the end, you know, it was just the, the process behind the scenes was not pretty. Uh, wide receiver recruiting, probably some of that. But uh, I think if we take a step back and look, and uh, um, man, I forgot who posted it uh, in here, but you look at the names, and it was, you know, Isaiah Bond, Jaden Gibson, Chandler Smith that Florida and the, the previous staff did have committed before Billy Napier was hired. And, you know, he decided to to basically wipe the slate, slate clean with his transition class. But those were three receivers. You know, they were all not the big-bodied um the big body possession receiver types there. Those were playmaker type of receivers there that, you know, there was that reputation of it's only going to be the big body receivers here uh, under Dan Mullen, under Billy Gonzalez. But those three receivers there, you know, not necessarily known as that big body possession receiver type. Uh, so maybe it was changing because maybe the offense was changing a, a bit under Dan Mullen, but, you know, moving away from the spread more to a, to a passing attack uh, and maybe recruiting receivers uh, that way. So, you know, you can even point to toward the end of Billy Gonzalez's tenure uh, under Dan Mullen that, you know, the, the receiver types were changing just a bit. So, you know, every offer for recruiting goes through Billy Napier. Uh, so, you know, no doubt of my mind that uh, I think recruiting is going to be, the process is going to be a bit different than it was under Dan Mullen. And, uh, you know, if there is the the thought and narrative of lollygagging or not taking recruiting serious under the previous staff, of course, I think that's going to change with Billy Gonzalez and Billy Napier. Anybody else want to hop in on the Billy Gonzalez hire? You guys usually aren't this shy. I guess everybody said what they had to say. In the actual chat. <laughs> in the in the chat that's been going on, yeah, I did have to tease that earlier. It was uh pretty polarizing. It was a it's exciting. I, I would also say, sorry, excuse me, David, but anyone who wants to like bring up his his final two years, you know how the maybe the production dropped off under Mullen. I mean, there's a twenty twenty. I, I would say twenty twenty was when Mullen pretty much checked out. So I, I can't really blame any any of the staff members. You know, when the head coach, you know, he pretty much he, he sets the example for everyone. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect of um, checking back in, I guess, would probably be the, the the way to put that after the 2020 season and everything that was going on there, of course, and the, the way that season played out. And, you know, we saw a lot of good with that offense uh, and, you know, your Kyle Pitts and your Kadarius Tonys and Trevon Grimes and, you know, Justin Shorter that that, that year. Of course, that, that offense taken off and Billy Gonzalez being a huge part of that. But we, we know toward the end of that season and everything that played on and through 2020 and 2021, uh, not necessarily the best. And, you know, was it easy to – I guess it wasn't easy, maybe, if the, the, the thought is to check back in uh, once the head man himself kind of checked out. You know, so I do, I do think that can be bled down into the assistance and stuff. So – Look, I, I get it. It is a polarizing topic there with Billy Gonzalez, you know, because of who he was under last time, and um, you know, I, 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 it's more of a you know, not take the easy way out. We'll have to wait and see, uh, of course. But 
you know, Ryan, going back to one of your earlier points, you know, the timing of this, you know, being on the NFL timeline with Kerry Colbert getting hired. And look, of course, we all would love to have Brian Hartline from Ohio State come in and be the wide receiver coach, OC, uh, whatever, you know, how, however you could get him here. But that wasn't going to happen. Uh, so I think we take a look back, take a step back and realistically look at this. In the end, I think it's a pretty good hire there for the Gators. So, of course, I mean, we, we heard all the names, um, you know, former Gators, Dallas Baker, name being brought up, uh, Ike Hilliard, you know, coaching at Auburn last year. Um, so many, I'm trying to go through the list here because I remember having it. I want to make sure I didn't leave anybody out of the, the whole list <laughs> that, that we had. Um, of course, you had, you know, the hire of Russ Calloway at, at tight end and uh, him being young and trying to step up, you know, maybe some, having somebody there with experience here with Billy Gonzalez uh, not uh, on the bad side of this either. But, you know, some guys we were pointing to had some NFL um, background. You know, Phil McGagan was a name that was brought up uh, last week. NFL background, coached at Colorado last year. Deion Sanders doesn't keep him around. He ends up in college football because you know, he took a year off uh, of personal leave in the NFL, found his way to to get back into coaching in the college ranks there at Colorado. Uh, his name was the hot name last week. Um, but you know, Joe Filani, uh, Taylor Stubblefield, Joe Daly, uh, Dallas Baker, Ike Hilliard, Tony Sorrentino, those were names we were all hearing over, over the last couple of weeks. And it almost seemed like it was really close with Phil McGagan. Now, I don't know what happened there. I'm not going to you know, pretend to know uh, what happened there. It seemed like that one was pretty close. Uh, but um, not, not, not sure. Not sure what happened. So uh, Billy Gonzalez was, as I said, not retained from Tom Herman and that FAU staff. He was hired recently as a tight end coach at Marshall uh, but finds his way to Gainesville before he uh, gets stabbed. I guess that's the interesting angle too. You know why? Why not another Power Five job? You know, I, it's. I think what we go back and point to for Billy Gonzalez, I think was probably wor- you know worthysome of of a of a Power Five job. Uh, maybe the, the, I mean. Staying in the state of Florida, was that uh, a priority at, at all last year going to FAU? But, of course, I just said he was, he was at Marshall. So I, I'm not sure uh, why. You know, if uh, I can understand for some of those Mullen staff members not getting Power 5 jobs with Billy G. And, you know, I, I thought he was – I thought there was enough credit there where he could get a Power 5 job. But I think that's something that's interesting to look at, too, is, you know, why, why no other big-time coaches reaching out for Billy Gonzalez. It's interesting that C Rob gets a power five job and we were all kind of weary <laughs> on him. And Billy, you know, just kind of goes off to Marshall, you said? Uh yeah, FAU last year and then uh Marshall as a tight end coach. Ain't that a trip? Yeah, you're right. It is, you know, Christian Robinson uh getting hired probably a bit for those recruiting chops. Um but as we said, you know, the development wasn't necessarily there. Maybe the opposite right here with Billy Gonzalez in some ways of, of uh, developing, uh, but not necessarily. Um, I mean, the recruiting wasn't bad. It's just, you know, we were still waiting on the development of a, of a Jacob Copeland, a Marcus Burke, uh, an Xavier Henderson. Uh, and now what can he do? I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do with the Nandy Gene and the Aiden Mazel and the Eugene Wilson 
one year with Ricky Pearsall coming up this year. I mean, if if we get the best of what we have seen recently from Billy Gonzalez, I mean, this is a good move in my opinion. You know, but we we do have to at least get that Billy Gonzalez that came in here in two thousand eight and made. Freddie's train a much better wide receiver, eventually making Kadarius Tony a wide receiver. I mean, that that's the at the bare minimum, that's the Billy Gonzalez we have to see in Gainesville under Billy Napier. Well, that Billy Gonzalez was 15 years younger, so no, I meant I meant 2018, you know, when he makes that you know, when he comes in and makes Freddie Swain better. Oh, 18, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I thought you said 08. No, 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 no. No, his his most recent stint under Mullen. Well, and really the only bad thing we can really say about the receiver room was 2020, but Emory Jones was the quarterback. So I, I don't know how much you can lay at Billy Gonzalez's feet for Emory Jones just that was, not panning out. That was 21. 2020 was or 21, the, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- that offense was absolutely hindered by quarterback play. Um, so that, that, that you're right. It does, that does play into it. Um, and maybe even last year to a point too. I mean, there were times we saw receivers open. I mean, just Quavion Frazier's is the name. Uh, Billy Gonzalez brings in, he'll reunite with Quavion Frazier's, uh, did not, uh, he, he, like I said, reunite with Xavier Henderson, uh, coming up this year as well. And Marcus Burke, um, but you know, now get some new faces as well. Won't get to reunite with Jamarcus Weston. Yeah, Jamarcus Weston's now on the defensive side of the ball playing safety. Uh, but that was another, you know, recruit there. Uh, that Dan Mullen really talked up a whole lot, but we you know we ne- didn't necessarily see, um, you know, Jamarcus Weston ever break through. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, some better quarterback play lends itself. I mean, kind of going back to the Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, you know, uh, I, I, we could already tell. Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, uh, Van Jefferson, Trevon Grimes. Yeah, that was an you know okay in, in twenty eighteen uh, with Felipe Franks, but that still we didn't see the full potential of those wide receivers until Kyle Trask comes in. So of course, quarterback play is going to lend itself to these wide receivers making bigger plays as well. Can you hear me? Got you, Bull. Okay. I don't know. Uh, perhaps the uh, lack of communication is from the people is because they uh, – it's a little un- underwhelming, like you said in your, your earlier post. I wouldn't call this a home run hire, but far from disappointed. I think that's a general consensus we got from the chat earlier was that, uh, yeah, it's not a bad hire. But uh, I, don't, I think we may have – I don't want to be negative towards Billy because he has done some great things here, but – it's not Kerry Colbert, I think, was a better wide receiver coach. And everybody was pretty happy with that. And you know that Billy had the opportunity to keep Billy Gonzalez. Billy Napier had the opportunity to keep Billy Gonzalez. But instead, I think he did trade up to Colbert. Now that Colbert's gone, maybe Billy Gonzalez was uh, always his second choice. It could have been. Um, also, you know, maybe it was a look of completely cleaning house uh, last year. Um, and, and that happened, but... Um, a year later, bringing him back. Uh, I would like to know, and I'll ask around and see if I can find out more about that dynamic of maybe why not keep him um, here and, um, and and then bring him back a year later. Uh, as you said, it would be interesting to to know was was there some thought to keeping him last year, but bring you know just completely, but just completely compl- cleaning house. Um, 
But then you later kind of reassessing, and you know if he was if he was going to keep somebody last year, maybe Billy Gonzalez uh, would have been one. Uh, Christian Robinson's name uh, bringing him back up was a name that was under consideration for staying as well. Uh, but yeah, that, that's uh, it, it, I do think that's a uh, angle to this that that is pretty interesting. And he we may have made the change for recruiting. You know, Colbert's probably a better recruiter. Um, Overall, especially he, he he's a little younger, right? I mean, I imagine he is. I don't know how much younger, but I mean, for this day and age, he, he probably wanted to, on top of, like you said, completely cleaning house, he wanted somebody that he felt would be a little bit more aggressive in the recruiting. Yeah, now got a lay of the land. Uh, as far as recruiting goes, you know, what it takes, uh, you know, you know, it was going to be, going to be a huge factor in this too. And, um, Billy Gonzalez hasn't, you know, it's only been the one big, you know, when NIL has played a huge factor for Florida recruiting, uh, going back to the 2023 cycle. So it'd be Billy Gonzalez's first time, uh, under Billy Napier and under the, the big influence of NIL, uh, in recruiting as well. Hey, if it's all about money, um, you know, maybe it maybe it doesn't matter who too much who the wide receiver coach is. <laughs> uh, let's move on. And what are you guys' thoughts on um, Florida Utah now on the opening Thursday night, week one of college football? Boo! Hiss. <laughs> Yeah, is there any particular reason for that? Um, I'm assuming, and since this is the Pac-12 move, that this is a either a Fox or FS1 uh, play here to get eyeballs on their network that Thursday night. Uh, so, I think uh, when, when you look at it, you know their rare chance of getting to show off an SEC team. Uh, an SEC team that's going to bring some eyeballs uh, that I think they would probably want the, they're, they're going to want the spotlight on that game. Uh, so this is uh, under the agreement, I think should be a Fox or a um, FS1 game. So that's, I think, playing a whole lot into this. Uh, I think, you know, probably should have been, uh, the, the, I think the clause was in the contract the whole time that they could move this to a Thursday night. Um, in my opinion, it should have just been you know part of Scott Strickland's uh, and the you know the administration to to now maybe they didn't maybe they don't care, uh, but I think from the fan perspective, you know wanting to keep this game on Saturday, uh, make sure that you know hey let's keep this game let's, let's make sure this game is played on Saturday and uh, the networks and the Pac-12 couldn't do this. Well, I live in Colorado, so I was planning on going to that game. And I was super excited because it's like the closest Florida game and like, you know, till basically Oklahoma comes. So now I'm definitely not going to get to go because it's on a Thursday. So I'd have to take like three consecutive days off of work and that's just not in the cards. So from uh, things that I've seen written, it was always in the contract and the Pac-12 wanted it because or maybe Fox and this is because ACC already has the Friday night game mm -hmm. so it's going to be Pac-12 
SEC on Thursday night, ACC versus I forget whom on Friday night, and then the regular slate beginning that following Saturday. So that's exactly what you said, Dave. They want eyes on it, and that's how they figure they're going to get the most if they put it on a Thursday night. I'm sure if there was another game on Thursday, maybe we'd be playing on Wednesday. Who knows? <laughs> Move it to week zero, like they did Florida Miami that one year. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it is. You know. I, and I'm reading the article even now from the Utah side, and it doesn't say anything about a network, but I'm pretty sure it's a Fox FS1 thing here uh, and not ESPN. I, I, I think uh, unless the Pac-12, the net, you know, the conference gets to make that decision, um, I would think ESPN would want to keep it on a Saturday, I think. But um, and, and like I said, unless it's just the Pac-12 making that decision. But I'm pretty sure – the Pac-12 making that decision on behalf of the TV network, and I'm pretty sure Fox FS1, you know, wherever Fox wants to place that game, uh, will be, you know, Florida Utah on that Thursday night. I hope it's at 10:30. That's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting side of this too. It could be a later kickoff just because of that. Um, oh, my mic was on. <laughs> oh, good. If that's. Uh, I mean, if the, that was your comment anyway, so it fits. <laughs> Very relevant. Uh, yeah. First, first time, long time, Dave. I'm, I'm taking the dog for a walk. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's how these things happen, you know. Because um, I'm trying to see. I, I know I put in the in the chat earlier uh, the football schedule for week one. Not really all that good, but I'm trying to now see who. Who's on that Thursday night? If it could be a late kickoff, that's a that's a good thought. Uh, well, that Saturday is pretty loaded too, right? FSU, LSU, and there's some some other uh, FSU, LSU is uh, actually that Sunday, so we don't have to worry oh, okay. about yeah, don't, don't have to worry about that game. Um, that Thursday, e- Nebraska, Minnesota, and I'm sure that's going to be a Fox game. So. There you go. If Fox does play into this, Nebraska, Minnesota, Nebraska could be Minnesota, Nebraska could be your early game. Florida, Utah could be a late game. I think Big Ten Network likes to throw that first. No, you're right. That could be. Yep, that could be Big Ten Network. Yep. Or one could be Fox. Hey, one could be FS1. Yeah. Right, there you go. Yeah, that was, that's that, exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, that was my next. You could have a split of Fox and FS1. So, um, yeah, I think we got to see what... I mean, I know the Pac-12 has an agreement with ESPN as well. Um, you know, the, the late night... They get a lot of those late night games. So it could be an ESPN game still. Uh, but I'm thinking Fox, FS1 have a, have a role in this too. I have an adjacent question, Dave. Yeah. If you know. Uh, will Cam Risen be playing in that game? Will he be recovered? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, don't know how far along he is in his rehab right now. Uh, but now, I mean, of course, I don't think that that window probably isn't uh, all that great. But now, I mean, there's two now two days that he doesn't get to. Uh, <laughs> it's two days shorter now that he gets to uh, get get ready for this game. So I don't know if that plays into it at all or not. I can't imagine two days. It's gonna be all, all that big of a difference. But overall, for that game, still a big storyline. Uh, we can uh, we can we, we can really look out for. They lost. They lost their two big tight ends. Correct. 
Keithy came back. Oh, Keithy did come back. Yes. We had a problem with him. Yep. <laughs> uh, but he did come back. Uh, now I'm, I'm really just searching for if there's any inclination this could be a Fox FS1 game. So, You know, Dave, I think this is where Mertz's experience is going to come in huge because they've got an elite defense. They're bringing back almost everybody. They probably have the best nose tackle in the country. It's going to be a, and now it's a night game in Salt Lake City. I mean, can't really, you can't put much of a harder task in front of Mertz than this. Yeah, good point. You know, I, I did bring up you know, his experience paying off, especially compared to to, to Jack Miller. And yeah, uh, that, that that you're right. That that is a good side of this. Uh, he 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 will not be. Don't get me wrong. I know you playing at Baton Rouge and Death Valley LSU. There's very rare. You know, nothing's like that. Hardly anything is like that in college football. Uh, at the same time, you know he's he's played in those big Big Ten stadiums and those games. He's not going to be. He, you know, he's not going to be shell shocked. Uh, now he could be surprised by LSU, and it could be a little bit different. But he's not going to be shell shocked. It's not going to be his first time playing in front of a hundred thousand, you know, screaming fans. And now, in the first game of the season, Utah, the same way, it's going to be an electric atmosphere uh, there in, in in Salt Lake City. Uh, but you're right; he himself, it, it, it's you know, it's going to be business as usual for him. He's not going to be taken aback by the the spotlight being on him in that game. And I mean, with, with their front, I mean, it's just going to be hard to run against them. So he might have to throw a lot. Yeah, good point. We'll see what this you know how this offense plays out. I, I like what Florida brings back up front, um, and you know the, the, the running backs are a big episode for the for the running backs is today on, on Gators Breakdown. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He, he's going to have to make some plays, uh, and you know th- throughout the season, you know this run game. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be times it's going to be tough for him, and you know Utah's probably an opponent where they are going to have to you know, prove their worth a bit, and I'm sure Utah's going to make. Graham Mertz beat them based off of his history. So uh, I can't see them, you know, just loading up the box and just making it difficult just based on pure numbers alone uh, for most of the night for Florida and making Graham Mertz go on the road and beat them. Has Mertz ever lost on a Thursday night in that time zone? I don't think so. (laughs) There we go. I think Mertz will and honestly, that stadium does not look that big. And the Big Ten has some powerhouse stadiums, you know, Happy Valley, the Horseshoe, the Big House. Like, it's no joke playing in the big, going on the road in the Big Ten. So I don't think Merch will have any problem with the Utah crowd. I mean, let's just look at it. Let's just go back to 2021 for Wisconsin. I'm not counting 2020, of course, because the uh, stadiums weren't full. Um, But. Let's see. And by the way, Dave, I just looked it up. There's nine games on August 31st. Yeah. And ours is by far the biggest. And like you pointed out, Nebraska, Minnesota is number two. And then it's a big different, a bunch of mediocre teams versus mediocre teams. Yeah. Let's see. They played Michigan in 21, but that was at Wisconsin. Man, so in 21, he didn't really play. They played Notre Dame, but that was a looks like a, a neutral site for, I mean, I guess, quote-unquote neutral site versus Notre Dame in, in, in Chicago. So not really a – they played Penn State, but they opened up versus Penn State at home. So he hasn't played – maybe – did I misspeak? Let 
let's see, in 22, which would have been last year, played at Nebraska. Yeah, maybe I just assumed that he, never mind, played at Ohio State. There we go. September 24th, last year. Lost 52 to 21. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Playing at Ohio State, yeah. LSU, the big stadium, Utah, you know, not going to be his first rodeo. LSU, yeah, different, of course. But, you know, did play at Ohio State last year. I'm, I'm so kind of success in the run game. Then they, it won't be on Mark's shoulders. Yeah, win it. Yeah, um, you know, going on that on that, I guess I'll look for a silver lining at least on that Saturday. We get you know we get to watch the other games now. Um, but then I was looking at that week one schedule for that Saturday. There's not that many great games. South Carolina, North Carolina. Tennessee and Virginia. TCU, Colorado. Boise State, Washington. Just not that many great games that first week. I tell you, I want to see that Colorado TCU game just for the spectacle of it. <laughs> Dion's first game. All and- the more have our game on Saturday. Yeah, so I'm saying there's just not that many good games that Saturday. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't have broken. I mean, last year we had what? Florida and Utah, Georgia, Oregon, Bama. No, never mind. Bama, Texas was week two. Uh, there were a lot of other good games. But they were so good, I can't remember them. <laughs> the only one that matters. Well, hopefully we get to um, Baskin Saturday of already having a, a big win. Any spring storylines you guys want to talk about? Been pretty busy with the press conferences and, as I said, the running game, running backs, Jabbar Jaluk. ETN, Montreal Johnson just put that episode today. Put up that episode today, so it's a lot of good stuff there. Armstrong seemed to really impress, you know, for for talking season anyway. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was impressed with what he had <laughs> with his talking. <laughs> I mean, I want a defensive coordinator that negotiates with a hammer. <laughs> I figured out the formula. You want all your offensive people to be from up north and all your defensive people to be from down south. There you go. Yeah, works for me. Whatever wins. But uh, our head coach is from the south, too. He's also an offensive guy, so. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Bull Gator with the zing. Dude, I'd only hire coaches from Ohio. Yeah, there you go. What's Jim Trestle doing these days? <laughs> Baseball's up four to two. If anybody gives a flip, there we go. Uh, but yeah, oh, uh, 
Owen Armstrong. Yeah. Um, Owen Austin Armstrong. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the, the age is probably the biggest detriment. Uh, but, of course, not green. Called defenses the last two years at Southern Miss. And uh, I think, you know, really impressive with the, the in front of the microphone. And now you've heard players kind of share how exuberant he is out there at practice and, you know, getting them hyped up and he's running everywhere. And, you know, I didn't um, – I mean, I don't think you have to be that way to be successful, but maybe the the change and, you know, I think even Billy Napier kind of said, you know, it's different than what Patrick Tony and how he approached it. And, you know, now we'll, we'll see if that uh, bleeds over into game day uh, for as far as, you know, the, the, the hype and the excitement that – you know that Armstrong can kind of shed along uh, to his players, so uh, it's uh, that approach, the aggressive approach, his mannerisms, the way he carries himself. I think you know it, it, it certainly looked different, and hopefully, different means better. Doesn't always mean that, but hopefully, uh, with this, some more experience in this same system, the system's not changing all that much. Uh, I think all this kind of paired together. I mean, it, it there's. We can't go into every year saying it just has to be better. I mean, we 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 can say that we we said that for years about the Florida offense, uh, and just went year by year by year by year until you know finally it, it fixed itself uh, for this defense. I, I I hate to say it, but eventually it has to get better. Um, but wait and see, I guess. Well, it's uh, it seems that Billy has a type. When it comes to defensive coordinator, young, yeah, up and coming guys with uh, you know what appears to be bright futures. But I remember when they first brought in Tony, one of the big complaints was his youth. And now Armstrong is what six years younger than Tony. <laughs> Saban wanted him for a reason. As linebackers coach, now true, it wasn't as a assistant; it was on field, but still. Yeah, but speaking of speaking of Saban, though, I mean, if you look at Kirby Smart's resume when he was DC, he had one year of coaching defensive at Valdosta State, a couple years position coach. I mean, you you do a blind resume comparison, Kirby and Austin Armstrong, pretty much the exact same resume, same about the same age too. Yeah, I was about to say, what was Kirby's age when when he was like thirty two, thirty two, maybe thirty three? Yeah. If you want to have some fun, look at Valdosta State's coaching staff. Oh, I know. Years. It's insane. I mean, I, I grew up in South Georgia, so it was always, um, you know, it was it was always in the back of my mind. And, of course, in the mid to late 90s, and it was the air raid, and you had Mummy and Mike Leach, and, you know, it was really popular at <laughs> the Valdosta State coaching tree, um, you know, especially starting about the mid to late 90s. Uh, right there. So it was kind of always been, in, uh, you know, seeing people stem from that coaching tree, always it sticks in the back of my mind because I, I grew up around it a bit. But is it, it is interesting the, and Billy Napier finally brought it up. You know, I, I have said it a couple of times, but Billy Napier kind of finally, you know, publicly, I won't necessarily say admitting, but at least bringing it up publicly of the little coaching tree uh, and coaching circle that him, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have. So uh, you know, there's a lot of sharing of ideas, sharing coaches, and um, I think uh, you know, pretty pretty interesting aspect of it. Billy Napier nowhere near the reputation those two guys right now, uh, but he certainly has put himself in the uh, in the right company 
of course, that did not help one Will Muschamp uh, <laughs> as a head coach. Uh, but uh, you know, he's certainly in the right company and got his got his identification of the young up and comers uh, in this coaching circle, and you know, hopefully, it pays off. Anything else catch your guys' eyes or interest through spring spring ball so far? I, I kind of like uh, just like through those four days. I kind of like hearing that both sides of the football are making plays instead of it being like very one sided. <laughs> I mean, like of course, like as a as somebody with you know grammar's coming in and and Jack Miller we saw a little bit of a glimpse of what he could do in the bowl game not much with no offensive line help but uh it's nice to see that you know both sides of the football are making plays even though that there you hear about interceptions and all that other kind of stuff but it hasn't been like anything that's been I mean you get your fair share of touchdown catches and passes and you you know you're getting your big rushes from Montrell Johnson and uh, Trevor Etienne in those practices. It's not, it's kind of like a balanced, it, it's also just the beginning too, but it's kind of the, the spring practice to me has kind of been balanced on both sides of the football. What you say? From what I can glean, Dave, yeah, I, I think so. Kind of what I'm hearing as well. You've heard, um, interesting that the, I've heard some, you know, the safeties, Wilson and Miguel Mitchell getting in on the uh, interceptions and, and the turnovers. Uh, and I'm also hearing the big runs by the running backs as well. Cam Carroll throw him into the mix as well as, as hitting some big runs uh, there for the Gators. And uh, this the, 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 the Cam Jackson has probably been one of, if not the top defensive player I've heard of so far on the uh, uh, as far as the transfers go and as far as defensive line go and maybe just one person that's being pointed out over and over again is just kind of how disruptive he is up front and that's good news good news for Florida uh, and you know I'm not of course you know you, you bring him up and it's like okay well who's he who's he going against on the offensive line who might be struggling there I mean it, it, like you said it's checks and balances you got to weigh both sides of this here you got to take the good with the bad. Um, good news for the defense doesn't necessarily mean bad news for the offense, though. At the same time, <laughs> it's uh, you know as bad as this defense has been, I think that's the way a lot of people would lean. But at the same time, you know, I just uh, I, it, we're we're going to hear good about certain players that it needs to translate into hopefully the spring game and the fall camp and then the real games when it comes around. Uh, but and there's going to be some names that we hear about this spring that we do not see show up in the fall. It happens. It happened last year with Lorenzo Lingard, and, and he never came to fruition as a as a contributor at running back too much for Florida. And it's probably going to happen again this spring. Uh, but the one name I am hearing a whole lot of for defense is, is just how disruptive uh, Cam Jackson is so far up front. Yeah, what do you think about Andy Jean and how he's progressed? Not even really progressed, just came in. <laughs> I mean, you see him on film and he's moving and he's made some plays there in, in in spring practice. Probably not as many plays as obviously as Cameron Jackson, but you know, you can kind of see on film where he gets he has that elusive speed. His cuts are so quick. It's like somebody referred to him as Van Je Van Jefferson, but uh, you know, I. I from what I've seen on film and just him running routes, I'm just like, wow, he's probably going to be special. Yeah, he's probably getting a lot more credit for his speed than I thought. I didn't, I didn't know he was that fast. And I know he's run track uh, and has been in that track circuit, so maybe shame on me a bit for that one. 
but you know, it was more known. You know, he was more known as a route runner uh, of this class, and maybe he's not going to beat you with the speed, but maybe beating with beating with his route running. But no, it, it may be both. I mean, he may be the total package receiver uh, Florida has here, and uh, it, it does. It is good to hear a true freshman come in early enrollee. Uh, especially at a position of need for Florida, where a, a position for Florida needs as many playmakers as they can get because there's not just many to rely on right now. Uh, so, look, we should be hearing about some of the younger wide receivers through spring practice. This is, the, this is their chance to break through. This is the, the chance that uh, they're going to have more so than fall camp unless they break through uh, in spring camp or early in fall camp. And hopefully, you know, I, I know we talked about it earlier today, is you know who besides Pearsall and Henderson, who, who are we looking at for that third spot there at the wide receiver position? Is, is it a Jaquavion Frazier? Is it a Marcus Burt looking to break through? Or do we find ourselves with a true freshman making plays right away much like Trevor Etienne last year, is Andy Jean that trans or that that true freshman that comes in and is playing immediately and making you know ma- making dividends, ma- making plays day one uh, early on. I mean, Andy Jean does seem to be the freshman that is kind of garnering that attention. Yeah, the other the other thing I was wondering about too, man, is what's up with Desmond Watson's weight? Did, did we ever get like a? Uh, a confirmation on what happened or or anything like that. Maybe he fibbed a little bit because everything I was told, the weight on the roster online is true. <laughs> so um, uh, he looks it. <laughs> right, he's he's not hiding it. Um, and I won't necessarily say he looks bad, uh, but he does look. You know, he does look heavy. He does look like a big guy, uh, and. Maybe maybe the weight thing is just going to be a struggle. Maybe that's just what Des Watson is going to be. It's just going to be a uh, a struggle uh, a struggle with the weight. It's all muscle, Dave. There we he go. Gained all that muscle. There we go. I'll take it. Well, he played pretty good last year. Right. That weight. Yeah. A lot better than I was expecting, being as big as he was. Yeah, yeah. I think he did pretty well, to be honest. Even at that weight. And that, that's the thing up front. You know, I bring up Cam Jackson. Then you got to bring in Caleb Banks as well, Des Watson, Chris McClellan. I mean, you're going to have to figure out, or they're going to have to figure out something where you don't have the Jervon Dexter situation last year of playing 60 plays a game. I mean, Florida's got to be deeper up front if they want to be effective. Now, of course, that, that means the players have to have to show up. You know, uh, if there were other players they could rely on, I'm sure Jervon Dexter wouldn't have been out there 60 plays a game. But the reality was Florida didn't have a lot of help around him. They weren't deep behind him. He had to be on the field, even playing, you know, whether it be closer to the middle or on the edge, he had to be out there a whole lot. So it's up to a lot of these players, the transfers, the, the young guys that, that, that need to develop uh, to give themselves some more help so they're not out there 60 plays a game. Say get off the field on third down and you want to lose. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the uh, – that's that's obvious. That's check mark number one. That is check mark number one. There. That, you, that was my thinking right there too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I know I said it. Uh, what was it when when Todd Grantham was let go? I said, well, it can't get any worse than Grantham. Then Tony came, and it kind of got worse. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it can't get worse than Tony. <laughs> we'll see what Austin Armstrong can do now. I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, the youth is there. Um, that can hold some reservations, of course. Uh, but I, I like everything so far. Um, of course, that's what spring is kind of for. I mean, it's kind of hard to 
talk bad about the team right now. Spring practice is kind of just what it is. I think I said in the episode today, hope, hope springs eternal. Uh, it's just the nature of spring practice a bit. But look, we're also fans uh, of this team, and we're a lot – you know, a lot of us are realistic, I think. A lot of us, um, you know, uh, I think fair and balanced for the most part in here. But this time of year, I think there's some caution, cautious optimism. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, that's just kind of what this this time of year holds. Uh, I don't think, in, in the end, overall, I don't think we're, of course, all the good we hear, we're not sitting there and tying that to, uh, all right, Florida's ready to beat Georgia. And then we're, we're not saying that, but... Yeah, you know, I, I I did see the conversation earlier, and I forget what channel it was on here on the Discord. Whether you know wins re- equating to what kind of recruiting success, or even just wins of how happy you'll be that you, to know maybe Billy Napier's on the right track for a, a certain amount of wins. Um, you know, I, I think this time of year is where we start. We'll, we'll start talking about that and some of the good that we hear, maybe lending itself to maybe maybe a win or two more than than what you initially expected, or you know maybe you thought this team was heading the right way anyway uh, with all the changes going on with uh, you know losing over thirty players and, and bringing in so many transfers and a change at quarterback and being able to rely on a run game. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what it all means. But you know, right now I'm glad there's a little bit of conversation towards maybe some of the good things that can happen with this team yeah I, I also like the fact that um you know I, I can't say that i'm happy that some of the players that transferred out because there were some that i was like man that's yeah. like Donovan won some of those guys uh but i am excited for the fact of like billy napier's getting in more of what he wants and some of his guys and maybe you know I said it that I, I I don't think the I think the buy-in was there. I'm not sure if the attitude was there with the buy-in because of just you know obviously a, a head coach is kind of like the father figure when you when you get to uh you know wherever you're going and maybe Dan Mullen kind of etched in their brain his philosophies and they were trying to learn Billy Napier's philosophies and they just couldn't. You know, they were taking shortcuts or whatever. Because, you know, you see all those people that got dismissed, like Cox and uh, Bowman. And and I think the one black also did, too. But, like, I think that they were trying, but it was kind of just, like, more of a mental thing with them. And, and, and I'm just excited, first of all, because I think there's going to be a, a, a an attitude change for real this time with more players. And on top of that, obviously – the transfers that Billy Napier brought in last year were the best players on the team. So that's kind of what makes me feel a little bit more optimistic about him getting in his guys too. But of course you, you put up or shut up time when the season starts and you got to see it, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic from that standpoint. Wasn't Jack Miller, his transfer. Yep. Yeah, I, I kind of like I look at that game, though, man, and, and Miller, he was losing it. He had lost a lot of pieces. That offensive line wasn't the same with Torrance left. Like, I can't really blame him for that whole game. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you can put some of the blame on him, but you can't put it all on him either. That That's fair. That's fair. I just wanted to kind of. Throw that out. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. We do talk about the successful transfers, and most of them were successful. But you know, I, I, you got, I wasn't a big Jack Miller fan when they brought him in. Um, as Dave said, I'm not, I'm not going to hold the spring game against him because of my notion that I already had uh, on him. I, I, I can separate the two there. Um, but 
You know, I also think that was weird. You, you were bringing in a quarterback where I think that quarterback probably knew Anthony Richardson was going to be the guy. I mean, of course, you're, you're probably coming up and, and playing for second fiddle uh, there. So I'm not so sure um, the type of quarterback Billy Napier could have brought in last year uh, to go head-to-head with Richardson because it was kind of a foregone conclusion he was going to be the guy. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if we are going to give him a, a whole lot of credit for a lot of the transfers he did bring in and, and, and is bringing in, uh, you know, we we can bring up Jack Miller, right? And and I just want to say that Etn and Osiris Torrance were by far the best players on that team, and both were Billy's guys. Yeah, Johnson, Torrance, Etn as a true freshman, Pearsall, Pearsall. Yep. So you know, now we we need to see Caleb Banks and 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 Cam Jackson and. Michael Mazuka, Micah Mazuka and George Goodwin, that battle there at right tackle. I mean, I think there's plenty of opportunities of guys to go out there as transfers and prove they're going to be instant contributors. <laughs> uh, and continuing on with Pearsall this year as well as leading that wide receiver core, um, there's gonna, you know, Billy's plan. We're gonna we're gonna see it this year. I mean, all all, all the transfers he's bringing in. They're going to have to play integral parts. And, you know, it will be disappointing, these guys that he's brought in, that we are thinking going to be instant contributors, not only just contribute, but but also at the same time be difference makers. Yeah, you're not going to hit on every kid that you bring right. in, but the hope, is that, the hope is that you hit on more kids than what the last staff did, <laughs> bringing them in. I mean, the last staff started off good with the transfer portal, too. Yeah, they did. They did. So do you think the depth of the roster is substantially better than Billy's first year going into his second year? Ooh. That is a good question. That is a good question. Um, defensively up front, yeah, in, in some ways. I, I, I do think so. Uh, Cam Jackson replacing Jervon Dexter in some ways. Uh, I think they, you know, he, maybe he can be a versatile piece uh, along like with Jervon Dexter. But I think maybe if, if you can settle him into uh, maybe you know one position there up front. You know, if Des Watson can play more snaps, you bring along Chris McClellan, who should be further along. Um, Banks uh, to to come in there at, at the same time, and then to go along with the experience that Powell Ryland and Newman Mielen bring back uh, uh, that they. You know, got back uh, a lot of experience last year. I do think up front for Florida on the defensive side, they, I think you can maybe consider them deeper up front on the defensive line, maybe even deeper on the offensive line, uh, e- even after losing Tarquin and Ethan White. They still might be a bit deeper. Uh, Josh Braun last year, you know, we, we figured he, he he was a death piece last year, but you know they didn't have to go rely on him a good bit last year. We didn't see him play a whole lot last year. Um, yeah, and so I, I do think there's a potential, at least in the trenches, Florida is actually deeper this year, going with the starting five this year. And I do think they feel pretty comfortable with eight or nine guys behind those starting five for the offensive line. Uh, receiver, you know, I, we'll see. Uh, I think that's a kind of a toss-up there. Uh, quarterback at the same time, you know, if Mertz can play well, maybe it's a, it's a wash. Running back, I think, can be deeper. Secondary, maybe not as deep, but hopefully still better. <laughs> if, if Miguel Mitchell, Kamari Wilson at safety uh, can be an improvement over what we saw last year, they're going to have – I mean, pretty they need to be. But behind them, there's not much to point to. Um, 
and cornerback. Yeah, I can I can say it's about the same as it was last year. So I I do think in a lot of ways, you know, linebacker too. I think they can kind of they maybe can be deeper this year too. So yeah, maybe maybe the depth is more uh, there this year. Now, a lot of that depth isn't experienced. Uh, so right. Well, I was kind of curious if they were going to go look into like safeties or anything like that during this second transfer transfer portal part of the season. Yeah, I I, I do think so. Um, I think safety is still a spot that they will try to hit. Maybe, maybe even another offensive lineman. With the departure of Tony, do we know if we're going to go out and try and get a safeties coach? I don't think so. I mean, I, you don't have a spot for one now. So Corey Raymond's going to do uh, the double duty. Yes. Well, and hopefully the secondary will be better if the front seven can actually put pressure mm-hmm. on the quarterback. Yeah, hopefully a better front and one voice on the back end lends itself to uh, lends itself to a better defense. So it sounds like I can pencil you in for uh, fifteen Wednesdays. <laughs> I still think they could even hit receiver again uh, in the portal. I still, there's still room on this roster. Um, Do they go after another tight end? I mean, they really, look, Boardingham's another name. Speaking of spring storylines that he, I keep hearing about him every coming out of every practice. Um, And hopefully that's not one of those, you know, just because of the, the, the position, hopefully that's not one of those names that we keep hearing about in practice behind the scenes that doesn't show up. Um, hopefully, Artis, Artis Boardingham is a is a tight end they can count on with Odom and and Zipper uh, in that mix. But you know, tight end safety, I think edge rusher. I mean, I think you have to throw that one in there too. Powell Ryland, like as I said, is the only proven guy they have there. I think we like the potential of maybe a Scooby slide in there and playing some, as Billy Napier said, or Jack Pyburn as a young player. Uh, but if they're is a way in this second portal window you can go get somebody who's a little more proven. I, do, I think you go out there and go get them. Uh, those so, are you know receiver, edge rusher, safety, you know, maybe another tight end. I, I do think there are some openings for Florida to continue to hit the transfer portal after spring practice. I mean, are we still going to take another quarterback too? Oh yeah, I mean, I know they had that. What, uh, I forget his name, but that preferred that preferred walk on. I don't think that's what Napier was talking about. Uh, in trying to go get another quarterback, so no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't, yeah, quarterback is uh, another one. Of course, I think we should throw in there based on uh, Napier's comments. You're talking about that walk-on from IMG, right? I forget his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those guys at Ole Miss got to be transferring out after spring practice. <sighs> well, here's the thing: they brought in two that have already transferred, so they have to sit out a year. Walker Howard, you know, transferred from LSU. So if he transfers again, he's got to sit out a year. Spencer Sanders ain't transferring. So, you know, not after he transferred in and how late in his career he is. And who do they have there now? Is it still Jackson Dart? I don't think he went to the league. No. Right. So, and didn't he already transfer from USC? So, whoever transfers away from Ole Miss has got to sit a year. JT Daniels, Dave. <laughs> Didn't he transfer again? Or is he? Yeah, he's on his fourth school. 
Am I making that up? Hold on. I'm going to make sure I'm not making that up. So I think it was Georgia. Then he transferred. It was USC, Georgia, uh, West Virginia. Virginia, And then now he's, I can't remember what school he transferred to. He did transfer again, right? Let me see. Yes, he's at Rice now. (laughs) Wow. His fourth program in six year, six year collegiate career. Oof. That's too much moving for me, man. Like, I would just be like, dude, I'm done. I'll just stay here. Oof. Yeah. Parker Lease was the name of that. There you go. Yes. But uh, I'm actually surprised that Max Brown didn't, isn't higher up there because I, you say what you will about Jim McElwain, but he could pick quarterbacks. Yeah. And And, uh, as as Brown was his top pick. And uh, Will Miles is higher because the you know you know Will's got his own little parameters that he likes to pick from, and you know the the high school stats based on that. Will's a big fan of uh, of one Max Brown. So yeah, Max Brown he passed for like sixty eight touchdowns at a seventy two percent completion rating. Yeah. Like yeah, he was. I, now I don't know what division he was playing in or how easy it is, but but it doesn't even really matter. I mean, like you play in a division, you're going to play with probably this same or equivalent as talent as the other team so i mean i, I looked at it I was, I was just like dude like even when he got max brown in the uh transition class i was i was just like you look at his ranking you're like ah, okay he just got some guy that he could scoop up but you go and like you go on max preps you look at his stats you're like wow he actually has really good high school stats i mean i've heard he's i've heard he's doing some good things too uh in in spring so Showing some good things. Jack Miller showing some good things on the run uh, as an athletic uh, quarterback. So, but from everything I can put together, it is Graham Mertz taking most of the one reps right now. It's been a uh, Max Brown pretty athletic too. I, mm, I think so. I don't think he's. So a, I wonder if they would like do like a two quarterback system at all and like get him moving on the run and stuff. It's like a little herb ball. Yeah, maybe so. Getting some experience too, but yeah. I'd like to see him be out or at least win the number two job. Yeah, I don't think you know. I mean, um, we've seen we've seen Jack Miller and and, yeah. he, and David mentioned you know the ball game can't really judge everything you know off that one game, but still, I, I there was nothing that really impressed me with with jack miller so i don't i don't think i don't think there's anything there's there's some you know unlocked potential there with him agreed uh, he's, he's he's a backup so i was gonna say that i went back and i watched he was actually pretty decent at throwing on the run but when you have no offensive line you gotta have to run for your life anyway so <laughs> yeah well he, he had to do a lot of throwing on the run that game but uh but still, I, I don't. I don't see him. You know, I definitely don't see him competing for the number one job. <clears throat> so, it's it's Max Brown or him for number two, and then whoever we bring in from the portal will have a chance to compete for that number two spot. Is the way I, is the way I look at it. Yeah, my thing about I'm Jack. Like, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see Brown get a shot at number two. Yeah, well, I mean, you're my my thing about Jack Miller is you know if could he if in the right part of the schedule. If Mertz was to get injured or something like that, you know, in the right part of the schedule, could he lead Florida to a win? 
Sure, sure he can. And there's enough talent you know, on the roster, depending on who Florida is playing, that he could lead Florida. The defense, of course, has got to play better. They'll probably have to play a really good game uh, for that to happen. But you know, I don't think it necessarily would have to be the, the disaster we saw in the bowl game. Uh, but I think you know, for Florida to reach their potential, um, and it's still, they still may not reach that potential, but to me, for Florida to reach whatever the ceiling is for this team, I think Graham Mertz is glad to be the quarterback leading them. With regard to Brown, he had 80 kids in his graduating class. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, so not a, not a big school, but <laughs> hey, just two words to think about. Kyle Trask. <laughs> Could be a hidden gem down the bench. Every two, three-star quarterback will be compared to one Kyle Trask. That's right. <laughs> Especially if they're from Texas. Which Max Brown is not. That's, that's like one A in Texas, isn't it? Uh, like that's, that's <laughs> he's not. He's not from Texas. No, he's no, from, right, uh, Oklahoma. right. Oklahoma. Yep. Oklahoma. Yep. Well, I mean, okay. Um, that's even smaller. Yeah, probably, probably two A in, in Oklahoma. Yeah, and speaking of Texas, I looked at like the. I, I always look every year to see where the most talent comes from, and usually it's Florida. Like this year, like the high school talents all coming from the state of Texas. It's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen it like that before. Yeah, uh, I noticed that too. We're looking through some recruiting stuff. Um, state of Florida, yeah, not not as uh, friendly this year, which is why you know I was really hoping the twenty three class, you know, that we that we would capitalize on twenty three class because the twenty three class was loaded in the state of Florida. Not as friendly this year. Well, that's happened before, but yeah, then it comes down to the draft day, and more people <laughs> are drafted from the state of Florida than anybody else, and it's not close. Going back to Miller just real quick, if we're going to give him credit for having a terrible offensive line in the bowl game, Mertz had a terrible offensive line basically his whole time <laughs> in Wisconsin. And a terrible system. Yep. I'm eager to see how this plays out. I mean, I think, you know, we, we've we've all done it here. I know Seth you know, Varnador has done it as well. I mean, we've all kind of pointed to, um, you know, maybe just how much of a hindrance – Wisconsin was. I'm, I'm eager to see, you know, is is there something to unlock? Is there untapped potential in one Graham Mertz? It's fun. If for everyone who hasn't watched Seth Varnador's uh, video, I encourage you to do so because he really breaks it down. But one thing you'll notice is that he has to take four plays from this game, <laughs> five plays from this game. Yep. Three, because there's no game that he can just focus on. Well, he passed, uh, you know, six times in this quarter, mm -hmm. four times in this. No, he may be passed six times in the entire game. And five of those were on third down. Right. <laughs> yeah, I ran a uh, I ran a statistic on his time at Wisconsin. They, I think they ran the ball 62 percent of the time, and he threw for 37. And then he had pressure. He was pressured 31 percent of the time on that 37 percent when he was throwing. <laughs> that is brutal. Like I said, and two things. My, my whole my favorite saying, and you guys have shared it too. Two, th two things can be true at the same time. The Wisconsin offense didn't do him any favors, and at the same time, he didn't do them any favors. That can, that can be true. That can be true, but I, I hope it's not. Yeah, his, his touchdown to interception ratio is still pretty awful. I mean, you can attribute that to, to the offensive line, but at, at some point, the quarterback's got to be able to not let that happen, you know? Yeah, there, there are a few times in, in Seth's video, and then when I went back and watched, too, there were some throws. I'm just like, 
who are you throwing to? Or why are you throwing that? I was just like, there's, there, this, there, this time you do have a clean pocket and you're th- either throwing late and the ball gets picked or it's just inaccurate. And so, you know, now maybe he's trigger, tr- trigger shy, you know, maybe did a little bit of gun shy there uh, from an offensive line that gives up a ton of pressure and he's just expecting pressure and it never comes and he forces a throw anyway. And there's so many ways to look at that, but there are, are times where I even looked at it and was like, I don't get why there is a bad throw there. So he's not going to win the Heisman? <laughs> he's going to finish second, Bull. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the biggest concern is the turnovers. I mean, quarterback yeah. play, completion percentage. I mean, the him versus AR, yes, they're different style quarterbacks, but the system that they're, they're going to be in, I mean, it's just protect the football. I mean, it's a, it, it, I feel it'll be a better situation than he's in Wisconsin. He's not going to. Be, he's not the athlete that AR was, so it, it's going to be a little bit different. You know, the production will come from it from a different way. You know, I feel it'll be better if he just doesn't. If he can just protect the football, doesn't turn it over, then I think we'll be okay on offense with with Graham Marks. I mean, I'm not expecting you know top ten in the country, you know, forty points a game or anything, but I think we'll be. I, I feel like it'll be. That Same t- amount of production or better than, than last year just because of the inconsistency we had with AR. Yeah, and that type of offense can work if you're running the ball well on first and second down. And, you know, Florida could be. Florida could, you know, Florida could be asking him to throw on third down, but hopefully it's third and three or third and manageable and not third and seven, third and eight. You know, hopefully, you know, there is times where Florida's just dominating running the ball on first and second down and you're just asking him to convert some third downs. But, we know in today's college football, you need a quarterback that can that can move the chains, that can carry the offense to a point, throw on first down successfully. I mean, as far as I can be able to run the ball on first down all the time. Yeah, I just hope uh, if he does have a really, really good spring game that it doesn't uh, <laughs> compare to Luke Del Rio when he had a good spring game and then he came out and just did not look good at all. Anthony Richardson had a really good spring game last year, too. <laughs> Amazing spring game. Maybe they need bad spring games. Didn't Trask <laughs> always have, like, really terrible spring games? Actually, Trask looked pretty good in the spring games and always brought up the question, oh, why didn't he get a chance to start? I remember that, that last one, though, I guess it was 2019. He did throw that, what, that pick six to Huggins? Yeah, yeah that's true, that's true. Yeah, that's the one that stands out to me was that. But I don't think he – I think Franks was still – yeah, obviously Franks was still a starter. Yeah. Then, but, yeah. Uh, let's just let's just hope they have bad spring games, and then when the regular season starts, they, they're really good. All right, guys, I'm going to end it on this. I put the poll up on Twitter, and it's got already 1,444 votes. Do you like the hire of Billy Gonzalez as wide receiver coach? Eighty-three point eight percent say yes. There we go. Pretty good barometer, I guess. At about fifteen hundred fans. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I came in later, I guess, but I like it. Like, um, I, yeah, I, Dave, it you, showed, you, showed, you showed up late. No excuse. 
Yeah, uh, it was weird at first. I think what what really made some fans like stand off is because it was just kind of weird because he was, you know, told to go somewhere else. He brings in Kerry Colbert, but then he, you know, Billy Gonzalez comes back. But if you look at it beforehand, when when Napier came in, everybody was upset Billy Gonzalez was leaving. But now you got people saying, why are we hiring him back? Thought y'all were upset. We let him go. And not everybody was, and not everybody was on board with the Colbert hire either. And you know, thought that turned out better than most expected. I heard so. I know Phil McGowan was like a big name um, that was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I don't, guess they were interviewing. Yeah, I did bring that I don't up. Even know what happened yeah, there. I don't either. I brought. I did bring that up. I have no idea what happened there. To be honest, I would have liked either one. But uh, so I'm not really I, I'm not even upset by it. I'm actually I, like I'm, I'm reserved. But as you said, that every recruit it has to pass through Billy Napier. So, I mean, yeah. that's obvious. And it's going to be a different staff. It's not like he's going to be with Dan Mullen's staff again. You know, so I, I think a lot of people freaked out over that part, too. But, you know, you got to look at it for the overall spectrum of everything. Like Billy Napier is going to be, you know, doing everything. So it's not going to be like it was with Dan Mall. Agree. That should be the process there. All right. I will call it you guys. Thanks for uh, hopping on. I know it was a little bit short notice, but I think with all the news going on, I couldn't, uh, couldn't go by without a chat. Cause a lot of these were polarizing subjects, especially with Billy Gonzalez, the, Utah game being moved on a Thursday night and some spring storylines. So it was time to, I was going to do it anyway, but no better time with all the news coming out on this Tuesday to, to get your guys' thoughts and everybody in here. Thanks for hopping on this little chat. Thanks for being Gators Breakdown Plus members. If you haven't joined Gators Breakdown Plus yet, be sure to join. The link is in the description. Uh, we'll keep that conversation going on right there on the Discord. But everybody, thank you so much for joining us right here on this preview of what we do right here on Member Chats on Gators Breakdown Plus.